0: I think Stan Lee should run for president. Uh, And hear me out on this. He is uh, long lived. He is a successful businessman who had to fail to succeed.
1: He had a more than 50 year marriage, so, you know, he can commit. Um, He seems to be a good guy. Uh, You know, I think he's qualified to be president. Just my thought. Anyway,
2: hope all is well.
3: This is paul this is wayne and this is tim
1: well hi guys
3: hello
0: you know we have such a long outline for today i was just waiting for someone to tell us they
2: had a hard stop <laughs> <laughs> i have a hard stop in about 20 minutes so we're gonna have to wrap this up pretty soon yeah but you know i yeah. have a hard stop in your mom paul oh God, he was just setting it. that up i mean he, that yeah, was like yeah, a it, long game
1: it, it was it no, was what, it what we call that, that entrapment <laughs> ouch <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny I the
0: just, long game's what your mom calls my penis.
2: Oh, my God, it's still happening.
1: <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah, voice voicemail from listener Phil, uh, you know, suggesting Stan Lee for president. So, Paul, are you in on the on the Stan Lee for president uh, bandwagon? I think I'm out. I'm, I think I'm out of that. Why? Why, Paul? Why? Well, first of all, why Stan, the man.
2: Well, don't get me wrong. I, I love Stan Lee, but, you know, I think we need a president who will be alive next year. Oh, you, you can't kill Stan. Oh, oh, it's happening. <laughs> no, I, I don't mean to make light, but Stan Lee's pretty old and he's blind and he's deaf. So I just uh, I'm, I, I think I'm a, maybe if that voicemail yeah. had been 20 years ago, I'd be OK he, with it. I'm
1: I, he has I think to have nurses walk with him right now. That, you have already you have mentioned qualities that already place him above the current president. That's oh,
0: right. <laughs> he has I, to have nurses walk with him, and they've accused him of sexual you know, abuse. Yeah, but, but, but that yeah, I, that happened but, to me but, too. But, I mean, who cares?
1: But we find we have found that that's actually a qualifier for president. Fair. So, oh no. No. it still <laughs> has. <laughs> I mean, I'm not hearing anything that's objectionable here. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I here's the thing.
2: I like Stanley. I do. I do. But uh, you know,
1: I, I, but you I, want I, to go? You want to go with it with with a younger, more robust version for uh, for the White House? So maybe a Dan Didio or a Joe Casada. You know what? Uh, for, I,
2: I could see Dan Didio as a president. Yep. Uh,
1: uh-huh. Okay, Eric. You want something that
0: uh, actually counts against him? anything he's written in the last 20 years
3: fair point i think i'd rather have danny devito
2: oh that that, even better
3: in his penguin costume oh dear lord
2: oh dear lord hey vote for cobblepot exactly he won the mayor oh no he didn't win the mayor vote see his
3: actual experience that's right Right. <laughs> well, I, I feel like there
2: was a joke that Aaron missed out on there, but um...
1: <laughs> well, thank you for that voicemail, Phil, and uh, we we appreciate your your recommendation, and uh, we look forward to to hearing more from our listeners about their choices for other comic book talent that might be suitable for the presidency, or or vice president,
2: or or secretary of state, really, attorney true. general,
1: true, alderman, so. Uh, <laughs> You know, there was a, a news release this week about, uh, you know, Bendis and an upcoming X-Men movie. And it came to my attention because Bendis was upset about the uh, headshot they used of him from back when he was fat Bendis. <laughs> <laughs> and he, his comment was, I need to immediately circulate my a, a current picture because they're using fat Bendis pictures. He has lost a lot okay. of weight. Yeah. Well, that will happen when you almost die.
0: You, you know i uh I understand where he's coming from i I would hate to have old pictures of me out there
2: <laughs> oh no I hope they when no, I, I, when I get famous I want them to use pictures of me when I was like six right right yeah yeah, yeah. What? when you, when yeah.
1: you had a valid reason to have the baby weight right yeah and when I had hair yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it was announced this week that Brian Michael Bendis is working with the director of the original Deadpool, Tim Miller, on a secretive X-Men movie. Um currently, I don't know if be if it's the working title or if it's the official title, but it's called 143, which could allude to a number of things. Um you know, there there has been uh allusion that it will be a Kitty Pride movie. Um, But there's also uh, evidence to support that uh, it could be um, around, what is that guy's name? Phantom X. Uh, Because in New X-Men, issue 143, written by Grant Morrison, um, with art by Chris Boccolo, we are introduced to uh, Phantom X. So it could be that. It could be Kitty bryant It could be anything. No real information has come out other than the fact that Bendis somehow is working on a Marvel movie during his exclusive time with DC. And Paul, you, you triggered me with
0: that. You said two things that immediately would upset me. New X-Men and Grant Morrison.
2: Hey, that's actually a really good storyline. The Assault on One Plus storyline, I liked it. I
0: was driven away from X-Men by Grant Morrison. <laughs> I hated
1: his X-Men. Is Phantomex how you say that character's name? Yeah. I always thought it was Phantomex, and it was a, an immigrant with uh, mutant powers.
3: Oh, God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's getting political up in here.
2: We're going to build that wall, Paul. <laughs> Around Phantomex. <laughs> Your emphasis is on the wrong syllable. <laughs> Much like this podcast. That's right. right.
1: Uh, Well, Paul? Yes. Paul? What? Did you get in touch with your inner Wakandan this week? I I, I think we all did. Well, not all of us on the podcast, but
2: um, apparently to the tune of $200 estimate for opening weekend for the Black Panther movie that is being released or has been released. Yeah, like the biggest
1: February opening in the history of ever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, It's crazy. I went to buy my tickets on Wednesday uh, for the Friday afternoon showing and all but maybe four seats at that time were sold out for the for the showing that I went to. Wow. I mean, it was crazy busy uh, when I was there and uh, it was it was so refreshing to see so many people excited. I mean, just excited. You, could t- The room, w- the, the, the theater was abuzz with, you know, getting to see this movie.
2: There was a guy uh, behind me and when I saw it on Thursday night. And I guess he was with, I don't know, family or friends or something like that. And he's like, this is something I'm going to tell my kids about this moment yeah. right now. And I'm like, OK, OK, I could see that. I mean, you know, it's not the first African-American. Well, I guess Black Panther isn't American. He's just African. Right. um, You know, superhero movie. But it is certainly the biggest. Thank you, Paul.
0: There's a lot of people out there that don't realize that because I've seen a lot of comments that it is the first one. But it's like
1: it may be the first good one, but it's not the first one. No, but let's be clear. It is the first I understand the cultural significance of this film because okay. it is the first African film, African superhero film where all of the characters are are, you know, good and bad are Africans and that it doesn't revolve around drugs. Or crime, or you know some, some sort of, of underworld sort of sort of thing that this was, I mean there were literally like two white guys in this movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a good white guy and a bad white guy. And neither one of them are major players. You know When you think about Blade, which is a fantastic film, I love Blade. But the significance, you know the, 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 the characters in that film are almost all white with the exception of Blade. Mm-hmm. Um, I had forgot all about Blade. I was thinking
0: about things like uh, Steel, Catwoman. Um,
1: I had a whole list last night, but I can't remember the others. But, you know, this movie and and beyond that, beyond the fact that, you know, the the film is made up almost entirely of, you know, uh, actors of African descent. It is also the first huge stellar budget film. I mean, we're, you're talking about an MCU movie here. Yeah. Um, and I will say the money is on the screen. You yes. know, it is, it is a, I have a, a few minor, minor points about the movie, but by and large, the money is on the screen. It is a gorgeous film. It sounds amazing. And they do better character work in this film than in almost any other Marvel film. In fact, the, the, the when we had the first fight scene there in um, in the uh, Korean casino, Paul. Yes, I was like, I wish that any of the lightsaber fights in Last Jedi had been as good.
2: So um, that's that's a point that I wanted to make, and since you reference it, I'm going to make the point now, even though it's it's referencing the end of the film. This film has a very Star Wars finale. Oh, absolutely. Um, in that there and, are three battles going on. There's the ground battle. There's a war. There's a, there's like a spaceship battle in the skies. And there's a one-on-one battle, almost like a lightsaber battle, all going on simultaneously. Very similar to a Star Wars film. And quite frankly, done as good, if not better, than some of better. the Star Wars films.
1: Yeah. Well, and certainly, I mean, at every step of the way, this movie was better than Last Jedi.
2: Agreed. Every 100%. step of the way. I and I like I mean, Last Jedi.
1: I know you did. And, you know, I, I, I was just sitting there going, oh, my God, already, already. I mean, how early is that in the movie? First half hour of the movie mm-hmm. uh, when, when they're when they're fighting in Korea. And I'm just like, already the action sequences are better than Last Jedi. And I mean, the, the I, I was invested in every mm-hmm. single character in the film. I can't say that I certainly couldn't say that about Last Jedi. I can't always say that about Marvel films. I was stunned at the quality of this movie. Um, beat the shit out of Thor Ragnarok. See, I mean I, and the, I like
2: Thor and I am the sole holdout on Thor Ragnarok I think on this podcast. I think Thor no, Ragnarok
0: you're, you're not Paul. I thought it was one of the best Marvel movies
1: yet. I, I just watched it again the other night. I think Thor Ragnarok is a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. I think it's gorgeous. I think the story is is hopeless in that film. Um you yeah, know there it, it's all played for for shits and giggles. There's no heart in that movie. Um this, mo- this I movie, I could not disagree more. This movie is has heart. This movie has humor. This movie has stakes. Um, I liked that the villain is homegrown. You know yeah. that the that the the villain is tied back to the setting. Um, it's not just random guy who wants to get vibranium. You know, um, I, I I liked almost everything about this movie. So let me tell you what I didn't care for about the movie, Paul. I did not care for about the first ten to fifteen minutes of the movie. Uh, the green screen I did not feel like was done well, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the the uh, uh, f- the tribal uh, challenge match. Yeah, uh, there at the waterfall. I mean, that was. I mean, of course, it's a sound stage, but it looked like a a Star Trek set from the original series. I mean, the lighting was so poor. Uh, it was so clearly green screen. And that happens again, again, a couple of other times in, in the show. Uh, and then there is this there, there is some weird editing where they cut too soon to transition from a scene. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like it's like almost like a jump cut. Uh, but those are my complaints about this movie. Are there, there any cameos?
2: Uh, Stanley I would yeah there was a stanley cameo but i wouldn't call the cameos in the film cameos um you know martin freeman and his character Emirat ross as mm-hmm. well as claw from the avengers age of ultron have significant parts in the film but outside of that i wouldn't say there are any came- well there's one cameo that i won't spoil for you because it's a post-credit sequence yeah um but outside of that, the film is uh largely self contained while still connected, right? with Claw and Ross yeah, playing. One the part. week
1: after yeah, one week after Civil War, right? Which I have <laughs> I mean, which I take issue with,
2: right? I, I do take take issue with the fact that it takes place so soon after Civil War, um, yeah. given that a lot seemingly has happened in that week.
1: <laughs> well, and yeah, so certainly, and it seems like uh they haven't really mourned uh T'Chaka, yeah. right? Uh, and that that se- it seemed weird that everyone's so happy that T'Challa's king now, when T'Chaka just died a week ago.
2: I mean, after being king for at least thirty years, T'Chaka. Right. right? So it, it, the fact that I, I expected it to be a couple months, but when they said a week, I was like, "What?" Yeah. Um, yeah. Rather surprising. And I, got, I I Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go. Um, so for me, I feel the film is fantastic but flawed, uh, in 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 that I. Feel the film finds its stride when they get to South Korea. Not yeah, when yes. they get to Korea. Um, you know, th- I agree. That's, that's when, when the movie. The, yeah, re- that's when the movie
1: really starts.
2: Yeah. yeah. Up until then, it's a, it's a, it's it drags a bit, but Eve. But once it hits that stride, and that could just be finding its footing, or you know, or or setting things up, but the editing and everything just gets better at that point. Um, uh-huh. And
1: quite frankly, I put it in the top five of Marvel movies. It is in my top five. I was trying to think of where it where it positioned last night. Now it is absolutely in my top five. Now it may I, be number five, but uh, yeah. it is in my top five. Because I, I, Winter Soldier is always going to be my
2: number one. I think. Well, not not always, yeah. but it's currently my number one. Um, uh, right. I know some people find Guardians uh, their number one or something like. No, Winter Soldier is. Uh, but I, I will say the the sequences in here are on par. Uh, action wise with anything from uh, what I think are some of the better action sequences in Marvel. And they, they are not what I, what I appreciate about this film. It's not a giant fucking hole in the sky. Uh, Right. That being said, the ending fight was a bit still too CG for me. Um, There's a, go ahead.
1: Well, I mean, you know, when, when you have the fight at the beginning of the movie up on the waterfall. Yeah. Right. And this, this isn't pointing to the climax of the film, but you know, somebody's going over that waterfall. You know, it's that whole Chekhov's waterfall, right? Yeah. <laughs> We've shown you the waterfall. Someone's going over. And, you know, uh, more than halfway through the movie, somebody goes over the waterfall. So you knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, um, I, there are so many things I liked about this movie. The Dormelage were fantastic. Perfect. Absolutely. Per- and Shuri, his sister. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely yeah, well, Perfect. And, and when she first hit screen, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to like her. And you love her by the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought she was just going to be obnoxious. But, you know, I loved her by the end of the movie. Um, Angela Bassett as his mom. I, at first, I was having glimpses of, uh, of Coming to America, the Eddie Murphy film. Yeah. You know, and I she, expected she does somebody... overdo it a little bit at, the, at first. Yeah, I was expecting someone to ask him, well, you're having sex with your with your, you know, your bath maids. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, I expected that kind of thing. But uh, it, the whole movie uh, really works. Uh, the Baku. Uh, am I getting them right? The the, the clan up in the mountains. And Baku is the um, the leader. But yeah. I don't recall the name of the, the clan or the tribe up in the but mountains. I, I love those guys. Yes. Yeah. Those guys are awesome. I, I, you know, I mean, I even like Weird Lip Guy, you know, with the with the big disc in his lip. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I, I thought it was super well done. Agreed, it super is super well done. Absolutely
2: fantastic. And I know there are folks holding out on it, um, but I would say it is, uh, it, it is. Just a fantastic film. It is well done. It is well acted. Um, Ryan Coogler, I think, is the director. He also did Creed and Fruitvale Station. I've not seen Fruitvale Station, but I love Creed.
1: And speaking of which, you know, Michael B. Jordan from Creed is in this film and uh, is just amazing. So Uh, here's a
0: question for you guys. If somebody never cared about the Black Panther character, do you think they could
1: still enjoy the movie? Absolutely. My wife, who is not a genre person, loved this movie. Yeah, okay.
2: I would agree. Yeah. It, it is not yeah. uh, it, I think you know, there are characters out there who are just tough to write or, you know, that that people just don't give enough of a chance and I feel like Black Panther's one of them and I we've mm-hmm. talked about my love for characters like Dick Tracy and the Phantom and things like and characters like that that are just sometimes just have runs of shitty comics. Yeah, Phantom um,
0: X. Yeah. Phantom
1: yeah. X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um,
0: Marvel is really good about taking some of those characters for the movies. I mean, most people had never heard of Guardians, and they became one of their top movie franchises. There is well,
2: talent the, making this movie.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, and and I, I, I got to say it. You can tell there was a lot of passion making yes. this movie. I think people understood the work they they were doing, I think that's why you had people like Lupita uh, Nyong'o in this film, right? right. Um, I I just I was so impressed with the talent involved and the work that they that they managed to crank out. I mean, it was just it was so good, um, and and I get why why uh, you know uh, folks are just so in love with this film, and I understand why it's going to make money, and I'm so happy that it, that it found its audience. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm excited for Marvel. I'm excited for us. I just I think this one's just a home run, just Great. a home run. And yeah. I'm just kind of, you know, I certainly watched trailers uh, during the Super Bowl. Uh, but it just really hit me what all's coming out this year. Right. When I was sitting there, you know, watching trailers, you know, we've got, uh, you know, Infinity War, which we really haven't seen a real trailer for yet. yet. Uh, we got the Han Solo movie. I see, there's been there's been a full Infinity War trailer not a real trailer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, we've got the, the Han Solo movie coming out on Memorial day. We've got rampage coming out, which God just looks so good. Uh, we've got, uh, the Jurassic world, uh, uh, sequel. We've got, uh, venom. Uh, what else? It seems like there's something else, but I mean, in, I just it inserts Deadpool two in front oh, of Aaron's yeah. editorial. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Oop. It, it is a uh, a crazy basket of of riches that, that that's coming out this year. It's crazy to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is just going to be a great I hope it's going to be a great year. I and mean, you didn't even mention Aquaman, did you? Aquaman. Have we seen a trailer for Aquaman? Not Aquaman as of yet. Is this year? Aquaman's in November. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah.
3: I, I was just wait.
2: about to
0: ask if there were any DC movies this year. Yeah, just You Aquaman. know
1: what? I was uh, I was online earlier in the week and and uh, I've got a a new nephew and <laughs> I found him an Aquaman onesie classic Aquaman onesie nice. so yeah he he'll be wearing that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so my hope, you know, they they there have been rumors that Marvel is considering the character White Tiger for a Netflix series. Um, White Tiger is the first Puerto Rican superhero in the history of comics. Uh-huh. Um, as well as Marvel's first hero of Hispanic descent, White White Tiger was a uh, Spider-Man uh, character, right? Yep. And yep. Uh, he's Hector Ayala, and so yeah. you know, um, he's well, he was created he, by Bill Mantlo uh, and George say, Perez. That,
0: that depends which version they do. I don't think that's the version they would do for the TV show. I think they would do the current White Tiger, which uh, is a woman, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. his
2: niece. Niece, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I, but here's the thing. I am hopeful that what you know that marvel is seeing the success of black panther and will instead of going the netflix route go with a movie um i'd rather have a movie uh of that character i've I've, I've you know I've, I've got a soft spot in my heart for that character obviously um you know the and there Do uh, you used to watch castle right aaron yeah there yeah. was a uh, the, the 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 puerto rican cop um john huertas he's in uh, yeah. this is us now he did a short yeah. film uh a short fan film where he was white tiger did he
1: really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. Is that available on YouTube? Uh, yeah, I believe so.
3: Uh, and so I th- I th- I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Aaron, if he's got his history yet. Right. I heard Paul Aponte was the first Puerto Rican superhero. I, right. he, I'm the second. <laughs> White Tiger predates me just by a little bit.
0: You know, I've never read anything with the original White Tiger. I've only read with the
1: Denise. Uh, if, if I recall correctly, he debuted in Peter Parker. Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, back in Volume One of that. I, I I think I I think I bought that off the spin rack back in the day. See, they got a novelist that my wife
0: was a fan of. Uh, I think Tamara Pierce, to do the uh, the first comic book miniseries they did of it. And now they've had the female character in uh, the cartoons and the video games. That's why I think they would go with the female version because that's the one that they've had on the cartoons.
2: Which you know I, seems likely, yeah. But I I think that would be cool. I, I appreciate you know as Marvel is looking for characters to take over the next in line um, you know, of their okay. movies because a lot of the movie a lot of the actors they have now are not going to per- you know be there after uh, the second Infinity or Avengers four I should say. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I think there's a lot of opening there for characters that. You know, unless you reboot the universe, you just got to bring in new actors and new characters. Well, I'm to,
3: still
1: holding out hope for Fantastic Four,
3: yeah,
1: as to uh, phase whatever. To Wayne's uh, earlier point about you know Marvel doing so much with characters that few people know, I think that's a real benefit to Marvel because there's so few preconceptions. You know. Yeah part of the success of guardians of the galaxy is that the majority of the world didn't know what to expect about that movie. And I, and I think that that to a certain extent, that's true of black Panther, right? Um, you know, I, I think that everybody wanted a black Panther movie for various reasons, but, uh, didn't really know what that movie would be. And they're just so pleasantly surprised that they're introduced to a whole different world, uh, in that black Panther film. Um, and so I think there I think there are more opportunities like that for Marvel. But before we uh, leave the topic of uh, of uh, Marvel and uh, possibly Infinity War, that kind of thing, Paul, Wayne, Tim, I picked up some original art this week from Fred Hembeck. Nice. Uh, I got I got uh, an Adam Warlock sketch, a Black Bolt sketch, a uh, Marvel uh, Captain Marvel sketch, and a uh, Ms. Marvel original Ms. Marvel sketch. So I'm I'm super excited about those. Do they all have cigars? Uh, not a single one of them, because these these were these were sketches he had already done. They were on they were on sale on eBay, and I picked them up. I'm really excited about getting those to the house. That's cool. Yeah.
2: And actually, before we leave off of Marvel in general, uh, there was um, an article the other day about Amazing Spider-Man number 800. Uh, We didn't talk about the most recent issue of Amazing Spider-Man because I think I was the only one who read it. But we've mentioned that Slot is ending his run with Amazing Spider-Man number 801. Uh, Well, this week it was announced that uh, Marvel uh, announced an issue 800 of Amazing Spider-Man will, of course, be an 80-page giant. So expect it to be around eight bucks. Um, and will feature four different artists. Uh, the artists involved will be Umberto Ramos, Giuseppe Camuncoli, Jim Chung, and Stuart Amonin, um, under a cover, a painted cover by Alex Ross. So that is a hell of a creative team, and uh, I, I am very much looking forward to uh, to the conclusion of Slot's run, seeing if it brings up things from Brand New Day, or One More Day, or whatever the hell it was. Um, should be excited about Amon- Amonin, but I uh, cringed at but Jim Chung, which, uh, you know, we didn't, we're did not we not going to talk about it this week, but I was a little saddened to see that Jim Chung was not the artist on this week's Marvel 2 and one after only two issues. You pull me in with that Jim Chung art. Uh, <laughs> Bait and switch. Yes. But since we're talking about art, now is a good time to talk about last week's book. Uh, I think it was last week's. So it may have been two weeks it ago. Was. No, it was last week. Last week. Swamp Thing Winter Special number one, um, w- which, speaking of oversized, uh, ex- more expensive books, I think this was a $6 book? This was a $7.99 book. Uh, a $7.99 book featuring uh, mul- you know, multiple stories. Uh, the first one was by Tom King and Jason Fabok, and then they had a classic story, a uh, w- uh, without uh, not an unlettered story um Len Wein's last swamp thing story with art by Kelly Jones so tim uh you know we we, we you know you 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 picked up this book mm-hmm. what did you think of swamp thing winter special number 1
3: uh i'm going to talk to you in two parts here um i the 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 beginning story the the more mo- well I don't know, the more modern um, the, 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 tale of winter what was it? there what do they call it the talk of the saints Th- that, that story was incredible. <laughs> like that was a great story, um, it, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a story of, uh, Swamp Thing trying to survive winter and, uh, it's just a really cool, uh, they did a lot of cool things with the art like in the beginning he's you know the swamp thing you know he's 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 jacked he's built um and as he gets farther into the story he starts to shrink like you would expect as you get further and further from uh he calls it the green you know um but you could call it you could call it the seasons as it gets further into winter um the uh, the two, the two it, for me it's a two page spread, but I'm sure for you guys on the digital it was the bigger image. Um, wow, that was powerful. <laughs> I thoroughly love the beginning of the beginning of this uh, the, the 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 first uh, the first story. We'll say. Um, the the second tale, the one without the words, the I just I wasn't a big I wasn't as big a fan of the art. Uh, that's that's what i'll say um
2: yeah i think kelly jones he's an acquired taste you know obviously he, he's been around a little while you know on books like swamp thing and uh the he did the batman red rain trilogy uh with doug mensch i think was the writer um so and he's he's been associated with swamp thing for a while now uh so yeah i mean i like his art but i could see why you wouldn't
3: Mm-hmm. I will say this though they 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 have a they have a, a, another two page spread at the end where they they uh, they pay homage to Bernie Wrightson. That's the Swamp Thing art that I loved from the '80s, when it was just creepy and 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 it was, it was '70s '80s. It was creepy and weird, and it's it's what it's what I remember that character being.
1: I love Bernie the, Wrightson.
3: Like, yeah no absolutely. with the horror elements, it was oh, so good. And I didn't get that in in either in either, uh, either story here. um but like i said the 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 first story definitely had good art. so I, I don't know if the the second story without the words had the impact that we were th- that that they wanted because it didn't look like it it looked it didn't lo- it didn't look like a goodbye issue. It looked like a a regular issue that you would pick up on the stand. That's what I'll say.
2: Well, I think that's what it was, right? I, I think it was the start of a, of a new Swamp Thing miniseries that he was working on that just, um, yeah. this is as far as he got before he, he passed away. So uh, I, I get the, you know, for me, the, the importance of that wasn't so much the story because it was a rather average story. It, it's not like he intended on on passing away. It's the fact that they printed it without words and the, and the little essay that led into it gets you a little choked up. Um, this book, I, I loved everything about this book. I, I loved that it's, um, that first story was very emotional. Um, the tribute to Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson. It, this is just, uh, this is a book that is just from the heart, and I am so glad I picked it up.
1: Yeah, it's really the way a tribute book, you know, a a, a, a memori- an in-memoriam sort of book should be done, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you didn't have a writer come in and finish Len's work. you know you you got it as it was given and they also gave you his you know artist script, right you know his direction, his his letter essentially to his artist explaining you know here here's the story. And so the uh, the artist uh, uh, Kelly Jones, drew the uh, drew the book, and what what would have happened is Lynn would have come in and done a lettering script, right? He would have plugged in all the all the uh, dialogue. And that didn't get to happen. so instead of instead of, you know, lacquering over his work with another writer's dialogue, this is what they gave you and then gave you his script along with it. I thought it was beautifully done. Yeah, I'm with Tim. I love that Tom King story at the beginning of the book. You are the monster, Tim. You. Or the monster. Uh but uh the 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 whole thing in general is just a love letter to Lynn Wayne and Bernie Wrightson and, and I I at no point in my reading of this book was I upset about the ridiculous cover price.
3: No, that I was just gonna say that. I'm like yeah. normally like I, I – it's flip tables like yeah. if I have to buy one of these things for the for the you know to talk about on this podcast. This one was one that was like, no, I wanna buy this. And yeah. I, I I felt like this is what I, if you're going to charge me this price,
1: this is what I'd want. Yeah, and the quality's on the page. I mean, yeah. it, it's just such a good story, uh, stories. And I, what I appreciated about the the you know winter special portion of the book that was Lynn Ween's uh, Swamp Thing story, um, it was it was fascinating to see what the writer gets to you know work with. You know, I'm always kind of, you know, interested in that inside baseball sort of thing around around uh, comics, because every writer does it different. There are some writers who are just very specific about their scripting. And regardless of what the the artist gives back to them, they've got dialogue right um and i i love this sort of marvel method where we outline the the story the the artist does his thing or her thing and kicks it back to you know the writer and then the writer you know adds the dialogue in conjunction with the visual story um i, I think it's i think it's 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 nice that way it's nice to see you know uh Len Wein's communication with his, with his artist. I just, I think the whole thing was just a nice package and a there, nice way to honor him.
3: There wasn't a wasted page either. It's like no. the tributes, his quotes, yeah. the, the picture at the back with yeah. with Wolverine swamping, like well done. Yeah, just absolutely. Well big done. thumbs up, big yep. thumbs up.
1: DC did this
2: right. 100% agreed. And, you know, speaking of concluding runs or, you know, finishing up runs and for different reasons, uh, DC is releasing two forty-eight page specials um, that are allowing uh, Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason, as well as Dan Jurgens, to finish up their runs on their uh, selective on their titles um action comics special number one features the last will and testament of lex Luthor, written by jurgens with art by will conrad also has a backup story from max landis and francis manupel um and then there's a superman special from tomasi and gleason uh called the promise concluding a story from rebirth that began in issue number eight uh the escape from dinosaur island so this kind of returns back to that story and and finishes it up and that has uh backup stories as well so i hated that story
0: See a
1: dinosaur looked, island story? I love yeah, dinosaur. Island. I love
2: dinosaur yeah. island, but yeah. this allows the writers to to kind of you know it's almost like an abbreviated season, right? Like here right. you go, you have an oversized special to wrap up your runs, um, and I appreciate that DC's doing that uh, instead yeah. of just cutting cool. their books off. So well, help that, me if crypto gets eaten
0: again, I'm gonna be pissed.
1: Well, I think that the DC's learned their lesson, right? There, there was such a uh, dissatisfaction that nobody got to wrap up their runs before they, you know, hit flashpoint and rolled over into the new fifty-two. They've realized we need to to wrap up some of these stories before we do what we're doing with Bendis. So I, I think I think it's a smart move on DC's part. I hate to see Dan Jurgens leave the Superman books, but uh, at least we get we get to bookend his uh, storyline. See,
0: I would have rather seen it in a regular issue before Bendis takes over, though.
1: Yeah, it's just not going to work out on the timing.
0: Well, it could.
2: No, it can't, Wayne. <laughs> it can't. <laughs> 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 well as those arcs are finishing up we're getting the start of a new story in sideways written by dan DeDio um and justin jordan art by kenneth Rocafort. and surprisingly three of us picked this up and i've been picking up these new age of heroes books that are spinning out of dark knight's metal um i think this is the third one we've
3: talked it about it is yep it's the third one.
2: Um, so, but Tim, I, I, I was hesitant to pick this up, but then I saw you were picking it up, so I went ahead and, and, and gave it a shot. And so, uh, and Wayne did too. So, why don't we let Wayne go first on this one? Wayne, what did you think? Right. So I picked it up because I
0: thought the character design looked cool. Uh, I saw the one of the preview things. That I thought that was kind of interesting. So I wanted to give it a shot. I can't actually say there was anything I disliked about it. But there was nothing that I really liked either. It felt like a very generic story. Nothing new at all. Nothing jumping out. There's nothing wrong with it. I enjoyed what I read, but I also just don't care.
3: You know, it's it's it, It's it. hard for a number one to, to evoke a lot of that stuff without going shock factor first issue. So I could see and i appreciate them not trying to do that um but when we started talking about these the 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 new the, the new age of heroes and we were looking at them and we were pointing out this is dc's you know fantastic four this is D-. and i looked at this i'm like this is dc's spider-man and it's like i i couldn't get away from that in my head it
2: <sighs> well it kind of is right i mean if you look at the new age of heroes there's um there's one that looks like, there's one that's kind of the Punisher, there's one that's Ghost Rider, there's one that's Spider-Man, there's one that's the Hulk, and then there's the Fantastic Four team. Like, there's no getting around
3: that this is what DC is trying to do. And it sucks, because you want to give somebody a a clean slate and a chance, but, like, as I was reading this, I'm like, I I cannot escape that thought in my head. Like, I don't know. Wayne's right. There wasn't... There wasn't enough different here to make me go, okay, there's there's the character of Sideways. This is what this is what they're built they're building around. I mean they have a little bit of it. He's a teenage kid. He has superpowers. You're gonna have a little bit of that, that Teen Titan uh Spider Man homecoming kind of thing going on, and that's it's cool, but it's not new.
0: Yeah, the only interesting character for me was his friend, the uh the twin. She was she more. She was more interesting than anything else, and there was nothing really interesting about her either.
3: I was gonna say the only thing interesting about her was she was wearing a cat suit, and I'm like, okay, I still don't care. <laughs> like that was that was your big quirky you know NPC character, and it's just because of the wardrobe. And I'm like, I don't know. Okay, I, the one good thing I'll say is that i there was there was more text bubbles between the characters texting almost than speaking bubbles and i think that's that's kind of what you would get if you had a teenage superhero there'd be a lot of thumb bashing on your phone because that's what that's what you get you know with non powered super teenagers so it's like okay i can get behind that i can get behind you know uh, showing, uh, you know, you know, uh, elaborating kind of in the in the Twitter 144 character thing, like okay, I I could I could get behind that. You know what it
0: reminded me of? It reminded me of uh, like if they took Spider-Man from a costume standpoint and then added in Miss Marvel's character, like the Kamala Khan one, because that's the kind of thing I would expect out of her book. The superhero excitement, the you know. On Twitter, videotaping things like that.
3: So I, I've heard people say of of the three that have come out so far, this was the best one. Paul, since since you've been our guinea pig on this, what what would you say? I'd say they all suck so far. Okay. <laughs>
2: um, I would say if there was one, I was actually going to give a second issue to it would be um gosh i don't even you know what the sad thing is these books are so like not exciting that i don't even remember the name of of them uh damage the if there was one i was gonna give, give a second issue to so far it's damage which is uh the one from tony daniel with uh scripts by robert venditti which is kind of their hulk um i felt like there was an interesting enough story there to give a second issue to um but there wasn't you know, with the silencer and i'm out on this one i this one you know just what uh catch me. you know what this reminds me of you remember when they did bloodlines and they <laughs> yes, introduced all those
0: new heroes that the nobody yeah all those new heroes and none of them lasted
2: that's what this is now that being it's said bloodlines too as bad as the as bad as the three have been um, out of the ones that are coming out, I am super excited for the Terrifics. I'm very much looking forward to the James Tinyon the Fourth and Jim Lee Immortal Men, yeah, um, and the so Andy Kubert Scott Snyder new <clears throat> challengers. Like there are, yeah. are some good ones coming out, or hopefully I, I, good ones coming well, out. Well, some of the advantage there too is that the Terrifics aren't new characters.
1: True. And, well, I, I, I do, I do just wish they weren't holding off all the good stuff till the end. Because I mean, it, it, you. It really does have the the stink of failure on it right now. In my <laughs> kind of does, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: well, thankfully, but, the terrifics comes out on February twenty eighth, so we don't have to wait yeah. too much longer for that one. Yeah.
1: I do think I do think Wayne's right. I think some of those other books uh, benefit from the fact that it's known characters. You know, you you kind of have an idea of what to expect. Yeah, but uh, yikes. <laughs>
2: Well, speaking of known characters in new settings, did you guys see the trailer for Batman Ninja? I did. And boy, that looked terrible. What? No, no, No. Aaron,
3: it looks amazing.
0: It looks fantastic. Uh, I'm with Aaron. That looked
2: horrible. Yeah. No, (laughs) I think it looks... I I mean, it, it seems like they're lost in time kind of storyline. I think it looks awesome.
1: I'd feel better about a, a a Batman, you know, back in uh, you know the samurai period of Japan, if it, he was Japanese. Um, this uh, you know white guy coming to Japan to you know be the white savior in uh, in, in, in Asia just seems a little uh, a, a little racist in my opinion, and looks more than a little terrible.
2: Uh, I I, I got to be honest I disagree I, I the the it's not an it's not an elseworld story we're we're getting you know basically a batman lost in time story and i think and i I gotta be honest the freaking animation looks better than anything we've gotten out of dc uh animation in a long time so oh the animation looks great i am i am the 100 uh, on board
3: uh yeah i'm with i'm on the paul train on this one this is amazing like the 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 joker demon style masks i was like i'm so in this is amazing um oh yeah no it was it looked really good
2: Well, it sounds like Tim and I will give it a shot and let you guys know our thoughts on it. Um, But since we're talking about Batman and we're going to get into these, you know, uh, this week's Batman books uh, before every DC book this week, at least in digital, they had an ad for an upcoming series called The Brave and the Bold, an epic six issue limited series written and illustrated by comic superstar Liam Sharp. And um, it it looks like a team up of Batman and Wonder Woman. Who's the big guy behind them? Uh, I do not know. He's
1: uh,
3: all awesome. That's what he is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he, he is awfully big. He's a great big fella. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I am unfamiliar with that character, but I, I think, I mean, I love the art on that story. And I, like, I love Liam art. He was uh, the artist on Wonder Woman when it started for
3: Rebirth
1: i am pretty sure that guy is not gluten-free that's all i'm saying
3: no he (laughs) no he he he, he eats a lot of meat and carbs i i i i I saw that picture and i'm i'm very excited to to because i i just yeah the 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 imagery they got for that i'm like yeah i need it i need a good fantasy story so yeah count me in yeah i'm very interested
2: well, the first book I read this week was actually Detective Comics number 974, and that had the, the, the ad in it. And the reason I read it first was to find out what happened to our beloved Clayface.
1: You know, th-
2: this book's he a dead. heartbreak. Yeah, this book's a heartbreak. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's just... I, I, I This book hurt to read. It, this it book came crumbling bring. down yeah. fast, right? That, that, you okay. know, this whole Gotham Knights thing that they, they just got a name, like... Right. Two issues ago.
1: Never name it, Paul. Never name it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so the uh, the the future Tim Drake came to town and said Bat Batwoman was going to fuck up everything for everybody and, and going to cause, you know, all levels of hurt and pain on the Bat family and cause everything to spiral out of control and create the dark future from whence he came. And so, you know, he was trying to kill Batwoman. So that this future would not occur. And, uh, you know, he he didn't manage to stop it, but Batwoman got her magic gun from her dad and uh, sniper killed Clayface at the end of last issue. And we get to see the horrible, horrible results of that shot through his Clayface head.
0: Poor Cass. I mean, just felt for her the whole
3: issue and her reactions. Just an open wound. And, you know, Her, her, her reactions were craptastic, let me tell you
1: and the they, they they did a remarkable job of demonstrating that when they when batwoman made the decision that clayface wasn't capable of saving that cass was kind of reading that as herself right cuz she's so identified with clayface right you know she she felt like if she could redeem clayface that would further mean that that she herself could become a whole person and I, I I think all of that was just you know right there on the page. but you know I, I, I Tim Drake, who's a smart guy, right? You know, future Tim Tim Drake as well, should also be a smart guy. What I don't understand is why he tried to take Batwoman out. It seems to me that the person to take out was the leader of the victim syndicate because if you stop that in its tracks, none of this happens.
3: or I Bat or Batwoman's dad. That, yeah. That also, who, ge- who gives gun. her the gun? Yeah. yeah.
0: I see going after Batwoman because that's where the anger's at. She crossed the line and killed, which they don't do, and so years of building up anger, you get fixated with anger, and I think that's what we saw—the anger overcoming the logic. I, I, Paul,
3: can you guys walk me through this, Cassandra? Cassandra is is David Kane and Shiva's daughter. Don't you think she would have done more than go up there and shove Batwoman, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, that should yeah. have that should have happened, and that's that's what needed to happen. and I think everybody should have let her do it like to get her to the within, like you know to beat her so bad that that you know it was like they had to pull her off mm-hmm. that needed to happen, and it didn't, and that's this book had all the feeling you wanted, but it I just. I felt like I felt like that missing that it was mm-hmm. what was made what made it uh, a lesser book to me.
1: Well, I, I hated to see this version of Clayface go. I really liked uh, uh, this this character. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll see Clayface again at some point in time. At his comics after all. But you know, I, I really liked this character and I liked him with this team.
3: He kind of made this
1: team. To he be did. Clear. Yeah, he was the heart, right? He
3: between really him and between between him and Cassandra, yeah, yeah, I would I would say that dynamic was what everybody mm-hmm. else kind of circled around. You know, yeah, I'm and kinda... I guess
0: I came to this a lot later than you guys, so I never saw all this development with Clayface. Mm-hmm. I've only had one storyline with him really, and it doesn't have nearly the impact for me that it did you guys. It's just seeing his react. Everyone else's reaction to what happened was what I found really impactful. Yeah, and especially Cass and Tim, and then uh,
2: seeing Stephanie leave. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very curious where the book goes from here. You know, we know that a, a a relaunch of the Superman books is coming up, but this Gotham Knights thing feels like it's coming. I don't know if we're going to be dealing with a new new start. You know, with a new team or if we're going to be dealing or if we're building towards some type of conclusion, this certainly feels like it's building to something. I just don't know what it is. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed the book. I, I like the art on it, too. Um, you know, Tim Drake was a little too buff for me. Yeah.
1: But other than that, I, I like the art on the book. Yeah, no, it's a great. book. I also liked, you know, the button on it where, you know, the doctor who was deliver trying to cure Clayface of his. uh you know, ailment that makes him Clayface and you know render him back to human. You know, he had asked that she also share it with the woman that he had turned into a Clayface monster, and you know that woman was key to turning Clayface you know insane in the last couple of books. And that button that they put on it that you know, uh, you know she 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 was going to have to live with what she had done. Uh, i thought it was a really nice wrap up to the story yeah i i, I thought this this book was except really good. she didn't oh. seem to care i don't think it la- it's landed on her yet though
2: yeah I, well i mean be, she's still part yeah. of the victim syndicate right she she's right. the one who caused it to happen so i think i think it will happen but um i think we'll see something from her they, that's not a throwaway scene yeah so awfully uh, good book the other batman book that came out this week Aaron, dark knights rising the wild hunt the final dark knights metal tie-in before we get the conclusion in metal number six written by scott snyder and grant morrison featuring a ton of uh, well i shouldn't say a ton of different artists i think there were four different artists on this book um we had howard porter jorge jimenez and doug Mankey with jaime mendoza or jamie mendoza um, written by Scott Snyder, Grant Morrison, James Tinian IV, and Joshua Williamson. And so, Aaron, this very much ties—I um, shouldn't say just ties it. It is a connective thread between the pages of Final Crisis and Dark Knight's yep. Metal. Um, you know, with the the you know the tie-in with music and anti-music and, and all of that. And so, given you actually liked the Superman Beyond storyline— um, which was written by Morrison during Final Crisis. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this book, especially the way it ended with Earth 53
1: being revealed. I uh, almost didn't pick up this book. Um, you know, I, I we have you know talked about it over the the last couple of weeks. How we've not been wild about the last couple of uh, Marvel uh, <laughs> Marvel uh, Dark Knights tie ins. But when I looked at the preview pages, you know, Detective Chimp was uh, you know front and center. And I'm like, well. You got me there, DC. I'll buy a Detective Chimp book, and I I hadn't read anything in the description of the book, so I I was unaware that this was an Ultima Thule book as well. And Ultima Thule being the the uh, multiverse traveling you know submarine uh, that we saw in Superman Beyond. And I freaking love Superman Beyond from the Final Crisis stories. The only that and uh, Legion of Five Worlds, Three Worlds, uh, yeah, Three Worlds. I think is uh, I knew it was an odd number. <laughs> uh, is uh, is the only you know thing that I really enjoyed out of out of Final Crisis. You know, otherwise a, a steaming stinking mess of a story. But those those two stories really stand out to me, and and I go back and I re- I reread Superman Beyond really about once a year. Um, it's it's such a good book. Um, I I loved this book, Paul. I really did, and it surprises me to say how much I enjoyed this book. I I enjoyed it. It harkens back to things that I really liked about what was going on in the DC universe prior to Flashpoint. You know, you've got that 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 organization of mad scientists that are all working together, you know, and trying to solve the problem. You've got Detective Chimp there. And, you know, I honestly have to say, I don't think I've ever seen a Detective Chimp origin story. That doesn't mean that there's not one. It just means that I've not seen it. Yeah. Um, I've just always accepted that Detective Chimp was a talking monkey. Right. Yeah. but we get a really interesting Detective Chimp origin story here that I really enjoyed. Um, I enjoy. I love the scene where Swamp Thing shows up and doesn't let the alligator eat him. You know, uh, I I I dug this book, and I want to know more about Rex Paul. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So we, I'm going to ask for the spoilers on this
0: one because I have no intention of ever reading it, but I want to know Detective Chimp's origin.
1: Well, he uh, he is immortal for one um, and apparently was a, a performing ape in a circus and was abused by his handlers. And the circus has the look that maybe it was a, uh, a world war one era story. And he, you know, his hand, the, some of his handlers are abusive. There's one guy who is brain damaged from the war. And I'm guessing it was the great war um, was the only one who was kind to him. And those guys murder the kind handler. Um, Detective Chimp escapes from the circus, finds himself in the same swamp as the Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing you know, kind of protects his passage uh, because he understands that there's something special in store for Detective Chimp. And he is guided to the Fountain of Youth by a, a big white dog named Rex. And he and Rex are having a conversation and uh, both he and Rex drink from the Fountain of Youth and the Fountain of Youth gives... Detective Chimp, not just his immortality, but also his ability to communicate and reason. And he realizes that there are things that he... He understood as a chimp that now come better together, like there's a reason for everything. And, and, you know, there 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 are mysteries that can be solved. And he has a penchant for finding those clues and connecting those threads. And so the first thing he does is goes back and solves the murder of the kind handler and has the uh, the three guys who who beat him to death, uh, arrested, two of whom were executed and one of whom is spending the rest of his days who who is spending the rest of his days in prison before he got shanked. And Detective Chimp has no remorse for those guys. I thought it was a great story. I really enjoyed his wow, origin story. That is a incredible origin story for me. I loved his origin story. I really did. Uh, Paul, I don't know if you felt the same way, but yeah. I just I, I, I thought that was fantastic. And uh, I think this
2: is vital reading. If you're reading Dark's, Dark Knight's Metal, Um, yeah. you know, I, I didn't. For me, and I didn't. Some of this stuff um, is a. I, I don't want to say it's over my head, but sometimes yeah. I just don't get it. Like you loved Superman Beyond, but sometimes I'm just like, it's almost too surreal for me. Almost too wild and wacky, and music and wait, and it you is, know, writing the music yeah. waves and music connects the universe and all that. Some of that I just can't wrap my head around, and this book is very mired in that. Um, but there were so many human elements, including the death of one of the Dark Knights. Um, mm-hmm. so that's why I say it's vital reading because it, it genuinely moves the story forward yeah uh, in, in you know it's not focused on Batman or Superman it's but it is focused on uh, a lot of story elements and the reveal of earth Earth 53 at the end um, uh-huh. I, I feel like that was that was too cool for school like that yeah that's freaking amazing yeah,
1: yeah. So,
0: absolutely Paul I have to say you're you're saying that a book that Grant Morrison is one of the writers on is confusing.
2: Well, how so, could that happen? No, don't get me wrong. I love. I actually, you know, I'm the one on the the the, the podcast who actually likes Grant Morrison more than doesn't. Um, but you know, he has he introduced this whole music waves thing into in during Final Crisis that I just didn't quite grasp. Um, but uh, you know, I, I will say, and this is a selling point that I'm. I don't know if I guess it's going to come into play in Metal Number Six. Is that this Earth-53, everyone's like, there's only 52. Where, where does Earth-53 come from? Well, Wayne, Earth-53 is populated <laughs> by chimps.
1: So you have Bat-Chimp, Super-Chimp, Aqua-Chimp. Oh, God. I, it looks fantastic. And I'll, the whole time I see that page, I'm like, yes, because I need action figures, Paul. I need them all. <laughs> my, my jaw has literally
0: dropped. I... Oh. Wow! I, I this, need that world. I need books book in
1: was, that world. This book was fantastic, it was. Uh, and yeah, you're right, Paul. There, there are elements of the book that are so abstract that they they defy understanding, right? Uh, and that, that that is certainly true of Superman Beyond in the Final Crisis series. Um, but the two, uh, what I like about them is that 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 theme uh, is connective tissue. Right. So from that universe yeah. to this universe and we didn't talk about it, but you know, there is a tune that detective chimp when he's a circus performer is trying to play on the accordion. Cause they're trying to teach him the accordion. And of course he's a chimp. He can't play the accordion, but he's trying. And it's, of course, <laughs> obviously. And, and, and he's playing, he, he, he's talking about the notes, C and D, C and D And uh, of course the notes he's playing are DC. And I I love that moment in the book where he realizes that that's an, that's an important note conversation, composition. And of course, you know, it's revealed that, you know, it was a message to detective chimp, but it's also an Easter egg for us because he's in a DC comic playing DC. I I just, I, I, there are so many layers to appreciate in this book. It's just, it's just a marvelous cake that they have they have made of this book and you know it's a gem in what has otherwise become some really annoying tie-in books um i, I it, it, it's a, it's a really nice standout book I enjoy. I, I even enjoyed i even enjoyed cyborg in this book paul i'm actually really tempted
0: to pick this up just for the just to own the detective chimp part of it his origin
1: it was it was really good Wayne. I, I, I really did enjoy
2: it so I, I like that. Um on the flip side <laughs> <laughs> I picked up the concluding chapter of Invincible today or this week, the best double-sized final issue of all time, as the cover claims. Um, you know, the finale of uh the of the book, written by Robert Kirkman, art by Ryan Otley and Corey Walker, who have been the only two artists on the series um since its inception. Uh, Ryan Otley doing the majority of work with the rumor that he is coming over to DC Comics, um, I think, no, on to Marvel Comics, that he'll be taking over Amazing Spider... He'll be the artist on Amazing Spider-Man after Dan Slott wraps up his run. So, Paul,
0: what is the best way to end a series? Well, it's not a montage, that's for sure.
2: Oh, but, <laughs> but it could be, uh, because that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, so this book is like... I think Dan Slott, or not Dan Slott, I think Robert Kirkman just got tired of writing Invincible. And so everything he had planned for the upcoming years of Invincible, he just threw into this one issue. So we we, we basically jump forward in time. Uh, I'm going to guess probably, I mean, throughout the book, we see about 20 to 30 years of time. Yeah, past. just consistent
0: jumps because Eve gets old and, you know, to the point of dying of old age
2: at one point. Oh yeah. So even further than that. Yeah. Um, it is, it, it, it is, um, it's almost too saccharine, right? In that it, it is just like everything works out. Eve gets cancer and dies or something, but oh wait, she is immortal because she regenerates every time she dies, which has been established previously. And so like nothing go, there. there's a couple of like side notes where it seems like something went wrong, but then it works out and everything works out, which It's great to a certain extent, but not quite earned, right? Yeah, Um, especially not with this series.
0: Not with everything always going wrong and having to be... It was way too easy. And I've been the Invincible Apologist, you know, throughout the uh, course of the podcast. I've still liked the series. It's had some issues. But while you've disliked it, I've supported and backed up this book only to be given this as the ending. I... I was upset when I read this one, because I said, I've been supporting this book. Yeah, it didn't stick the landing.
2: Um, it just, it, it jammed too much into the final issue. And it's a symptom of, I mean, don't we, this is the 12th part of the end of all things. Like the first 11 parts, I, I, maybe not, maybe that's an ex, a stretch. But the first. It feels like it, it though. But, but like the first 11 parts all felt like they took place, like maybe in a couple months time frame. And then we have one issue that takes place over the course of at least 30 years. <laughs> like, okay, maybe there's some pacing issues here. Um, it, it just, like, let's throw everything into show everything. Everyone's going to be okay eventually. In 30 years, everyone's going to be happy. He's going to be the emperor. And everything's going to work out. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that that ending wasn't the right ending. I'm saying that it felt too, that it didn't feel earned based on the way the story was told.
0: Yeah, it was an epilogue. It didn't feel like it earned that ending. It felt like while they were setting up some things that could have been really interesting stories, especially around his daughter, none of it really felt earned. And it's just glossed over.
2: Yeah, I was very upset. I will not miss my love-hate relationship with Invincible. <laughs> I, I have I have purchased every goddamn issue of this series. Um, and, and I just I've had a love-hate relationship with it uh and it you know just... what i hoped
0: for in the middle of it paul huh. when they were showing his son taking on the mantle i thought maybe we were going to get a new series with his son
2: yeah called the new invincible or something yeah you know i thought so too kid invincible and then next thing you know another 20 years has passed yeah i thought that's what they were setting up like hey because that's like that seems like a robert kirkman thing to do hey i told you i was cutting i was ending invincible i didn't say that there wasn't going to be a kid invincible series that seems like such a kirkman thing to do and i thought that's the way they were going to go with it but no 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 that's not the way they went with it yeah um, i would have been i think there could have been a
0: really interesting series around the kids
2: well we're but not gonna I, get it no. and you know what even if they come back now and say hey you know what let's tell the story of convincible i'm out i'm fucking done with invincible i i really am uh i mean i now that being said it's done but if it were to come back, I would not go back into it. Yeah,
0: they said I've been the apologist and I have no ap- apologizing for this this ending. I was very upset by it. It's a six so dollar third. Exactly. It was expensive and I I said I've been supporting this book even through a bad storyline or two here. You know. But no, this was a horrible way to end the series.
2: Womp womp. Womp womp.
1: Well, you know, uh, Wayne and I have been reading a book from Image uh, called Judas, which, you know, tells the story of Judas Iscariot from uh, the Gospels. And uh, issue three came out this week. We didn't talk about issue two on the mics. No,
0: because I'd read it and you hadn't yet. Right. And I am really curious on some of your takes, Aaron, being Mm -hmm. a far more religious man than myself. Right. If with some of the things
1: happening in the book, I'm curious how you took it. Well, I, I, I love the book at the, at the, you know, issue two has uh, Judas in hell and, you know, having a, a an, an in-depth conversation with Lucifer and Lucifer telling him what a horrible person Jesus is for having, you know, betrayed Judas because, you know, he knew when he recruited Judas into uh, his apostles, what would ultimately happen and what Judas was being set up to do to betray Jesus, uh, and, you know, under the guise of, you know, that's how it had to happen. And so, you know, Judas is finding himself rather bitter about, you know, his relationship with Christ. At the very end of issue two, Jesus appears in hell. Um, you know, uh, he dies on the cross and and descends into hell. And this is actually, you know, out of the Apostles' Creed, uh, the Baptism Creed, uh, in which, you know, uh, you know, he died on the cross and, you know, descended into hell. And I remember in my uh, confirmation class, it's the same sort of class that Catholics take, uh, they call it catechism. But in my my class that I had to take before I was confirmed into the Episcopal Church, I was 12, 13 years old, um, we're studying the Apostles' Creed. And I said, well, what was that like? Jesus is in hell? What was that like? And she's like, well, I don't imagine that the devil was very happy about it. I'm like, yeah, but what happened there? Because he's down there for three days. Seems like there should be some stories about that. Here we have it. We have it here in the pages of Judas. Um, and, you know, we don't see Christ appear in these pages as, you know, the avenging Lord. We don't see him as, you know, the, the you know, righteous son of God, uh, you know, down there in hell, setting things right, because you know, according to the Apostles' Creed, what he does is he liberate, he, he rescues those people from hell who never had the opportunity to hear the word of Christ, who never had the opportunity to be saved. So we're talking about all the unbaptized, uh, you know, who who otherwise led righteous lives, but did not find their way to heaven because they didn't, ha- they never had the opportunity for baptism. Um, but we find in the pages of judas that he continues the the role of the persecuted right he he arrives in hell he is broken from his experience on the cross and and you know his his uh, punishment from from pilate and he continues to you know take on the anger and the sins of those people there in hell and it 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 is i got to tell you, uh, Wayne, I don't know how you responded to it, but I thought it was very affecting the way all of that was playing on Judas. Definitely. I mean, yeah. cause this is Judas's series. Right. And seeing his
0: reaction to all of this and cause I've always been fascinated by the character of Judas for the very reason they're laying out right. because he had a job to do. It was necessary, you know, from that standpoint and the uh, painting him as this ultimate villain, like some stories have, doesn't ring true to me right so i love this take on it and exploring that and that moment where he's watching all of this watching them take jesus and he realizes he's not angry anymore
1: yeah there is this marvelous scene you know uh if you think back to uh you know any of the Jesus movies you've ever seen? There's that scene of him on the cross, and he's being crucified with two thieves. One on his left, one on his right. The one on his left is is cruel to him as they're all dying on their crosses. The one on his right, you know, is telling him, you know, you know, he, he's admonishing the other guy, saying, you know, don't you see? You know, we both deserve what we're getting. We have both lived, you know, cruel and 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 deceitful lives, but this man has done nothing. And he, you know, he defends Christ to the other man and then begs for forgiveness. And, you know, Christ tells the guy, he says, you know, you will join me today in the kingdom of heaven while the other guy, you know, presumably gets cast to hell. Well, we see that other guy. In hell and he ain't happy <laughs> you know it was it this book is so good and so this book is really answering that question i had you know umpty umpty years ago back in my confirmation class where i, where I asked what happened those three days well yeah. we're saying that and for me
0: it's answering at least it's providing you know exploration into the idea that i've always had about judas himself right and so it's really hitting that you know that kind of that itch that those questions that have always been in my mind.
1: Yeah, no, so. it, I I think this is a very thoughtful book. You know, clearly the the writer has an appreciation for for the for the subject matter. Uh, it is he is not hand fistedly telling the story from one point of view or the other um, he's really kind of telling it from multiple perspectives with Judas as our point of view character um, I think it's marvelously done and the artwork continues to amaze me there's a, there's a very iconic uh, meaning like church icon sort of look to the art and I just, I just love this thing from beginning to end and I'm, it's going to break my heart when it's over I love how
0: he plays Lucifer too yeah, that nothing Lucifer is saying is is a falsehood. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. plays everything <laughs> and he uses enough of the truth to strike it home. And yeah. that's the part that that's the takes I've always liked on Lucifer, that lying is the easy way out. Right. Manipulating by truth. That is a master.
1: Yeah. No, it's just it's just a fantastic book. I, I, I and, and you don't have to be, you know, a, a church person. You know, uh, you don't have to be versed in in, uh, the Bible or theology to really value this book because it's just a good story. So big thumbs up. Big thumbs up.
2: So, Paul. Yes, sir. What
1: can we expect next week?
2: Well, next week from DC Comics, we're going to get new issues of Superman and Batman and as well as the uh, the damage book that I talked about from the new age of heroes. Uh, In addition, we're also going to get that first issue of The Brave and the Bold Batman and Wonder Woman number 1 that we were just talking about a couple minutes back. Uh, From Marvel Comics, we are going to get Infinity Countdown Prime from Jerry Dugan and Mike Diodato Jr. And uh, before we wrap up, I want to ask, are any of you guys reading any of that Avengers No Surrender storyline? No, I really wanted to, but it was too big. Yeah, it's a 16-part weekly storyline written by Al Ewing, Mark Wade, and Jim Zub, and the reason I ask is that next week in the pages of Avengers number 681, um, it's got the Thanos' Black Order on the cover, which is surprising because a couple of them are dead. Um, and I just didn't know if anyone was familiar with what was happening with them. So no, maybe I keep thinking about going
0: back and I keep thinking about going back and getting it but because it reminds me of those old Avenger storylines like the Kree Skrull War and things that lasted forever. But I don't know. I just don't
2: have the it's too much. Yeah. Too, well,
0: too daunting.
2: Yeah. And with five dollars for the first issue and four dollars each issue um, weekly uh, and now on issue seven. I mean, it would it would take a pretty penny for me to get caught up, uh, so I just didn't know if anyone was picking it up. I may just wait for a sale to see how it goes. And that does it.
1: Well, very exciting, Paul. Very exciting.
2: I, you don't sound very excited, Aaron.
1: I am super excited. I I am uh, I I am all kinds of excited.
3: Mm. We 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 gave everything we had. That's it, right. It, it, you we know what, it Paul? We we lived up to your expectations, but now we're out.
1: Yeah, we left it on the field, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> yep. But you know, well, you, teams played hard. You, uh, you should check out our uh, our all new uh, Star Trek with Aaron and Polly feed. Uh, They're on the website where you can hear all of the Star Trek with Aaron and Polly conversation. Uh, so be sure and check that out. And you should give us a call, like Phil. You know, and uh, you know, get yourself qualified for one of them ideology of Badness surprises by giving us a call at nine seven two. Seven six three five nine zero three. That number, once again, Nine seven two seven six three five nine zero three. And if we use your voicemail on the air, just like we did Phil, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. How else can they find us, Paul?
2: You can find us on Twitter at IdeologyMadness, on Instagram at IOMGeek, or Facebook IOMGeek. And, of course, you can always check us out at IOMGeek.com.
1: Very exciting. But you know what you can't do at I- I- IOMGeek.com right now, Paul? What? Post a comment. What? Yeah, yeah. Because we are getting hammered with spam. We are we are striving to fix that. I know that there are a lot of you out there who have been trying to comment on the website, but uh, we are we you know we are being pummeled by Russian hackers, uh, who are who are trying. I already they're trying to skew the results for the upcoming year's funnies. So, uh, I think they're I, just Grant Morrison fans. Somebody you know, has to be besides hey. Paul. And I suspect that Wayne is colluding with him. I'm yeah. just saying. Hmm.
3: Do you think Phil like Paul's issue of Sideways that he gets sent? <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll call and tell us. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com.
2: I, I told totally you we had a hell of if an
3: outline. <laughs> yeah,
0: that that would be awesome. absolutely hilarious if that were true, Tim. But we
2: all know that he doesn't have a physical copy to send.
0: Fair. Oh,
3: send me his address. I'll send mine. If you could only gift
1: your used uh, uh, digital copy. I'll just take screenshots of every page and send them as a file. Here's your JPEG. No, no, uh, screenshots and print them, Paul.
2: <laughs> Staple it on top. That's right.
1: Ka-chunk. <laughs> so I, I was in Austin this week. And uh, and uh, uh, I get in my Uber to go to dinner and the driver says, that's a nice hotel you're staying at, isn't it? And I said, oh, yeah, it's a really nice hotel. I like it. And he's like, they have an escort service. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
1: and I said, I wouldn't know. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I really like a hotel with an escort service. I'm like, okay. He goes, I was staying at this one hotel in Austria with, with just a fantastic escort service. Really enjoyed the ladies. And he says, but you know who really enjoys the, those ladies? The Italians. I'm like, uh-huh. And he goes on this riff <laughs> about how Italians really like prostitutes. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> and then- and then he he transitions. You know, if it's not enough to talk about you know d- to talk about prostitution with someone that you don't know, uh, <laughs> he he then goes on to you know I really prefer doing business with white Americans. You know I, I don't I don't want to do business with with other type of, of Americans. It's white Americans that I like to do business with because they understand the concept of win win. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then this on the air. I, I forgot. Paul, you can you can you can put this in at the increds creds if you want. <laughs> and then and then we we you know he's like, okay, well here we are. And I look around and I'm like, uh, I don't see the restaurant. And he goes, Well, this is the address. And I'm like, uh no, it's not. And he's like, well, I've got another ride, you're gonna have to get out. Oh what? Like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, he, I, he dropped me off like two blocks away from where, where the restaurant was. I hope Uber has a way to rate people down. Uh, they do. What they don't have is a way for you to call them. Um, you, know, you can only do it through the app. And so I actually logged into to my, to my account <laughs> online so that I'm like, hey, y'all need to call me. We need to talk about this guy because uh, this was super bizarre. So I had I had a conversation with uh, one of their people earlier in the week, and uh, I mean it was it was just so bizarre. I, mean, I was just like I, I just I can't imagine you know him driving a woman around you know I mean, just that just sounded terrible to me. So they have an escort service, that is a... <laughs> and I'm like, do I do I look like a guy who uses an escort service? What about well, me? Yeah, what about me? Scream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brother um... likes some some hookers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and looks like he might be a little racist, so let's talk bad about the Italians.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
1: oh Aaron.
3: Good time. <laughs> <laughs>